We got to take a break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, something preventing you from achieving your goals? I've gone through this before. Charlie's gone through this before. He uses BetterHelp himself. I've gone and talked to counselors before. Sometimes maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Maybe there's a different perspective that you need to look out for. Taking care of your mental health is something that is very important and it's also very possible. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You're going to connect in a safe and private online environment, so much more convenient than fighting traffic, going into the office somewhere. You just get on the app and talk to someone. You can start talking to them in under 24 hours. This is not some self-help app. This is actual professional counseling. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to go to that freaking waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to giving you great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. If they match you up with someone and you don't like them, you can switch over to someone else. It's more affordable than actually going into the office because you're just doing it over an app. And this is available worldwide. You got expertise in so many different areas. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family, grief, self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. This is very convenient. It's professional. It's affordable because you're doing it through an app instead of going into the office. You can go to the website and check out the testimonials. And by the way, this is not a crisis line. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. There's a reason for that because a lot of people are using this app to get help. If you want to start living a happier life today as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com gml. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today. There's no one across from me, just an empty chair. For good reason, For good reason, Charlie is gone today. We're not going to make fun of him too much until we have confirmation, and then maybe we'll make fun of him. Who knows? It'll be pretty fun for sure. All right. So this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And if you want to get in on the live group, the Charlie Haters Club, if you want to do any of that stuff, comment, change the direction of the show, you want to go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com, sign up for as little as $5 a month so you can chat live with us every day at a completely random time of our choosing. And don't worry if you're busy in the mornings because um, we don't really record this thing in the morning. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get going on this stuff. Big news, shocker, big shocker. US GDP growth was just crazy compared to 2020. I mean, just the best numbers we've ever seen. From Reuters right here, fiscal stimulus fuels U.S. economy in 2021 to its best performance since 1980. 
for. Now, they did actually add in the fact that fiscal stimulus fueled the economy in 2021. All right. The U.S. economy notched its strongest growth in nearly four decades in 2021 after the government injected trillions of dollars in COVID-19 relief and is seen soldiering on this year despite headwinds from the pandemic strain supply chains as well as high inflation. The economy grew 5.7% in 2021, the strongest since 1984. It contracted 3.4% in 2020, which was the biggest drop in 74 years. Look at that, guys. Trump had the biggest drop in GDP that we've seen in 74 years, and Joseph R. Biden has the strongest GDP growth that we've seen since 1984. Isn't that just amazing? I don't know how many times we have to do this when you're comparing things to this pandemic year when the economy was shut down. But hey, this is a talking point, all right? The stunning reversal came as gross domestic product increased at 6.9% annualized in the fourth quarter. Stunning reversal. We had no idea that there would be a growth in GDP, especially after they put all of that money in there. Now, let's go through some of the numbers on here. Now, if you are a uh, Joe Biden fan, this is the chart that you really care about. You see this chart right here? This is from Fred. I don't know who Fred is. You see this GDP growth right here? Well, that's down there in the 19 trillions right there for the GDP. And you can tell it's just really spiking up right there. How many times have we done this recently? This is, this is what they're doing right now is they're, they're talking about the numbers from 2020, which is the number that they're reporting, of course. And of course, this right here is what you had during the pandemic, this just massive crash in GDP. It's a 3.4% reduction. That doesn't happen very often, though. This is what it looks like right here on this, uh, on this chart. Now, they made it look a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more exaggerated right here because this bottom down here is not zero. This bottom down here is uh, like 17 or something like that. But it looks, uh, looks pretty crazy, and that's all Trump's fault from what I can tell. And you can tell normally we have a growth every year, 2.3, 1.8, 2.3, 2.7, all this, and then minus 3.4 in 2020. And now the growth... What did they say? 5.7% in 2021. That's just amazing. Here is a number that actually matters right here. And we'll talk a little bit about this. This is the debt to GDP ratio. Now that to me is a pretty important number. The jet, the, the debt to GDP ratio went up 18.5% during this time from 108% to 128%. All right. The government put in nearly $6 trillion in pandemic relief money over this time. The GDP in Q4 2019, and by the way, was $21.7 trillion. And in Q4 2021 was $24 trillion. Now they put in $6 trillion in pandemic relief. And so what you got to ask yourself here is, did we really just have GDP growth or did we just take out a bunch of new money that didn't exist in the first place and then we threw it into the economy? So far, it looks like we lost some of it because we don't exactly even have a $6 trillion increase in the GDP. We've got less than that, but whatever. It's not exactly like, like that really matters, right? It's a, not an important number. It's, it's, it's 
pretty obvious that all of this came from the fact that they printed a bunch of new money, by the way. And you got to ask yourself, is that actually growth? For instance, if I have a company and I sell a product and I go and I take out a loan, I take out a million dollar loan and I buy a million dollars worth of my product. Did I just have a million dollar growth in my, in my company revenue? Well, I had a million dollars in sales, but I've also got that debt at the same time. And I've got all the expenses that it took to make all of that. So it's not exactly as if I really grew because I still got to pay back the million dollar loan that I took out to uh, buy all of that stuff from myself. And that's essentially what's happening right here. And the, um, so the number 5.7%, by the way, is taking inflation into account. The real number was actually up over 10%. But then when they take the inflation into account, it was 5.7%. This to me is the chart. This is the scariest chart I think I've ever seen right here. This, this chart right here should scare the crap out of everyone. This is the money supply. You see this kind of steady increase. There's a little bump right here in 2009. A little bit of a bump right there. And then look at what happens during this pandemic. The money supply. It goes from 15.4 trillion. This is M2. 15.4 trillion to 21.6 trillion. Now, oddly enough, that's about $6 trillion. That's uh, pretty much what they put in in pandemic relief. And we didn't see that much of a bump in the GDP. I don't know how often we have to do this whole thing where we talk about how fake these numbers are and how we're just pulling from a year where everything was terrible and the economy was shut down. And then we get to print these numbers, these, these articles. We get to post all these articles out there talking about how we, I mean, Biden's out there saying it too. We got the best GDP growth we've seen in the past four decades. Oh, come on. Who actually falls for this stuff? The sad part is some people actually do fall for this stuff and they see that number and they're like, wow, look how good of a job we're doing. I'm not going to fall for it. I know you guys don't fall for it either. All right. NBC saying the quiet part out loud. So we've got a Supreme Court justice that is retiring probably not being forced to do it all at all. I'm sure they didn't have to talk him into it. Uh, that's, that's not the case at all. Okay. Uh, this was just a, a regular decision based on wanting to spend more time with your family or whatever it was. It has nothing to do with the political landscape whatsoever. But uh, NBC kind of said the quiet part out loud right here, which is, uh, well, this is actually really good for politics. And what people need to realize is that is what's happening. Okay. This is really good for politics. Supreme Court fight gives Biden the reset he's been looking for. This is the great Biden reset right here before the midterms. Isn't it weird that they're setting up this Supreme Court uh, nomination right before the midterms? I'm sure there's has nothing to do, also has nothing to do with the fact that the Democrats know they're going to lose their you-know-what in the midterms and they won't be able to uh, confirm anyone after that. Anyway, what NBC says, we told you that President Biden and congressional Democrats need the reset, and it looks like they're going to get it in the coming weeks as they get to fill the Supreme Court vacancy. Here's all the, this is the list they're checking off right here for the Biden administration and for the Democrats. Do you need to improve the president's declining poll numbers among black voters? Fulfilling his promise to appoint a black woman to the court can certainly help. Do you want to get your party fired up ahead of the midterms as Republicans enjoy an enthusiasm advantage? 
a debate over the court, and especially one involving abortion, can do the can do the trick. Now, the abortion thing is not really going to matter very much on this because we're just going to replace a left-leaning justice with probably an insanely left-leaning justice, but the vote's probably not going to change any. Do you need to take some heat off of Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema? A court battle when they've always voted for Biden's judicial nominations could be what the doctor ordered. So they're all going to come together on this. Do you want to give the Build Back Better negotiations a little breathing room? Do you want to shift focus away from the things that they can't get past? A Supreme Court nomination is going to dominate everything else on Capitol Hill. And finally, in the worst way, do you need to put a win on the political scoreboard? Confirming a new justice to a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court would do exactly that. Now, they're right about all of those things. I just hope that everyone realizes that we've got a very political process happening. It's not as if that doesn't happen when Republicans are in charge or anything, but the timing is obvious right now. Okay. And we'll mention a little bit about the fact that everyone's saying he's going to uh, replace with a black woman justice. Let's see. How do I say this? That's really dumb. Okay. That's really dumb. You know what you should do? You should pick the best justice that will uh, defend the Constitution of the United States of America. That, that should actually be what the president tries to do when they nominate someone. Is here, we have a Constitution. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a justice in here that's going to interpret the Constitution properly and, and not destroy the country. You shouldn't start from the framework of, oh yeah, also it's got to be a black woman. That's completely ridiculous to me. It should be whoever. It might be a might be a black woman. It should be whoever the best person for the job is. That's who it should actually be. All right. Now, um, the people are saying that maybe Kamala Harris is going to be the nominee. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but that would be a little perfect to tell you the truth. That would be pretty perfect because you could nominate her to the court. She would likely get confirmed. And then you could bring in, the reason this would be perfect is because you could bring in a new vice president that people actually like. And that would be better for Democrats when it comes to the next presidential election, because someone already being the vice president would give them a leg up whenever they're running in an election. So whoever you pick to be that vice president, that person is going to have a big leg up when it comes to running for president next time. All right, so... My, my immediate guess for the person that they would pick for it, I understand the you know, people have said Michelle Obama. I think that would be a little, too, a little too obvious. Plus, I don't think she needs the leg up. If she wants to run, then she'll probably do pretty well. Um, I could actually see them nominating Pete Buttigieg as the vice president. That's actually who the only thing going against him, other than he doesn't know what he's doing, you know, really doesn't have any experience doing anything it's not real great at any of the jobs that he does or anything like that uh, the only thing that's going against him is the fact that he is a white man and replacing the first black female vice president with a white man you got to figure out what your hierarchy of victimhood status is uh, because kamala harris is straight and pete Buttigieg is not so they have to kind of go back and forth 
on which one, you know, are you going higher up the victimhood hierarchy? Are you going, are you moving down? I would have to see what exactly the pyramid is and see whether or not they're going in the right direction there. I think that that is probably what they will take into account when they're doing that. I think that, to me, I think Buttigieg would be the one that they would try and nominate for vice president because he's been like the number one they've been talking about as running for president later on that would actually have a chance. That's just my guess, but I don't think that whole scenario is actually going to happen. One little thing I did. So Joe Bizzle just mentioned Stacey Abrams is the true vice president. Yeah, I mean, she's only, the only reason she's not the vice president is because of voter suppression. We all know that. Um, I actually, she did pop in my mind as a person that they would nominate for VP, but I, I, don't, I don't think it would really help her out any when it comes to uh, running for president. I think their goal has got to be to give someone a boost in their numbers for when they get to the next presidential election. And so I think that's what they're, I think that's what they're going to be looking at. I'll mention real quick, I said maybe I wasn't going to talk about it, but um, Spotify taking down Neil Young's music after the whole Joe Rogan thing. Everyone knows about that. Everyone's heard about it, of course. I'll give my two cents on it. He obviously came out there and said Rogan is out there spreading all of this vaccine misinformation. He's probably getting people killed more than likely. Uh, They got to choose between the two of them. It's either Joe Rogan or whoever the heck Neil Young is, right? And of course, all these diehard Neil Young fans, people probably never even listened to him out there uh, supporting him. Anyway, they said, all right, see you. See you later. Well, uh, you know, we'll talk soon. That's fine. And so he's gone. He's not going to be on Spotify anymore. And so, you know, that's, that's good. I like that Spotify stuck to that. They got an ultimatum. They obviously made a clear business decision. Which one is more important to your business, Joe Rogan or Neil Young? It is clearly Joe Rogan. And so I think that that was going to be a pretty obvious decision for them. What I am worried we'll see on the horizon, I guess worried is not the right way to say it because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Rogan will find a platform he'll be out there one way or another what i'm worried is we will see either a bunch of musicians team up together and say the same give the same ultimatum or you'll get some really really big musicians out there that are going to give the same ultimatum where they actually have to think about it like they actually have to look at the numbers and see what it is that they might lose and if they you know it's not that she has ever said anything like this but taylor swift comes out and says it's me or joe rogan at that point, they probably have to at least think about it for like five minutes. You know, they got to they gotta do that. Think about it for, they'll probably have to think about it. Or if a bunch of musicians that end up having more income coming in from them than Rogan does, that is something I think we're going to see more and more of. Obviously, people are trying to get rid of Rogan right now. The more you try to do this, the more audience he's going to have. I never listened to Rogan so much than in the last couple months. And it's really just because of so many talking, so many people talking about him all the time and how controversial it is and everything. This is the most I've ever listened to him. And I'm sure the numbers are all reflecting that. The more they try to do this, uh, the, the bigger he's going to get. So I'm trying to uh, read through some of this also. It's tough to it's tough to read through the comments and also talk constantly at the same time. All right, the the, the most fun thing I wanted to do 
Dan Price. You guys remember Dan Price? I actually unfollowed him on Twitter because his words were were truthfully harming my life. They were creating a stress level that I just didn't want to deal with anymore. But someone that knows someone that knows us that knows someone retweeted it, so it still showed up in my timeline, even though we're not following him. And he just continues to spout completely ridiculous things that sound good. Like, if you want to be a leftist and you want to be like a Bernie Sanders supporter, commie kind of person, he says things that sound good. But if you actually look into the numbers, he's just either lying or he's completely ignorant. I don't know which one it is. I th- it's probably a combination of both. But he is a business owner. He is a CEO. He knows a little bit about business. He knows how these numbers work out. So maybe there's a little bit more lying involved. Anyway, this is what Dan Price said. Suspicious how everyone blames the rising cost of a burrito on workers getting a $1 raise but not the fact that CEO pay has gone up 1,300% in the last 43 years. 1,300% in the last 43 years. That's, uh, that's definitely it. Last year, Chipotle gave its CEO a $24 million raise and paid him 2,900 times more than their median employee. So when you see this, and you're like a reactionary leftist commie, maybe even if you're even more in the middle and you see someone throw out numbers like this and you're like, oh, they got a $1 raise, but the CEO got a $24 million raise? Well, that's obviously what affected the price of my Galdern Chipotle burrito. We know that. But then when you look into the numbers, you see that this is not actually the case. And of course, I have dug into all of them, including the CEO and uh, what exactly he made. This is Brian Nicole. Uh, last year, the, the most recent, the numbers that he's talking about, the damn price is talking about, $38 million in compensation. $38 million. The year before that, it was $16 million. Those numbers are different. Now, it's not the $24 million that Dan Price was saying, but uh, it's $22 million. So it's not that, you know, not that big of a difference. Honest mistake, I'm sure. The year before that was $33.5 million. So it went 33.5 down to 16 and back up to 38. So when you see that, you're like, whoa, $38 million. Of course, that's why the price of my burrito went up because of this right here. So what you see in this little chart that's on the video right now is this little top line right up here, this top green line that says base pay. And then the next green part of the bar is his bonus. And then this big old blue part of the bar right here, that is his, those are stocks that he was awarded. Okay, so that seems to be pretty important. I don't know. $29 million of his pay came from stocks, not from actual pay from the company. All right, so I got some of these numbers down through here. Base pay, $1.2 million, $3.1 million bonus, $29 million in stocks. By the way, for him to actually, that's that's what they do is they calculate the value of the stocks that they gave him. 
for him to actually receive that value, someone would have to buy those stocks from them, meaning that it's not as if he cashes that out and then they lose all of that money. Someone else transfers their $29 million into ownership of the stock and he gets to take that. But I guess that really doesn't matter either. His compensation went up $22 million, and Dan Price is saying that that is why the burrito got more expensive. Now, Chipotle has 88,000 employees. If you assumed that those employees average 20 hours per week, some of them are going to, they don't allow overtime because they don't believe in overtime. Some of them are going to work less than that. So some of them making, some of them work in 39, some of them work in 10. If you assume they average 20 hours per week, then that comes out to 91.5 million paid hours per year. So 88,000 88, employees working an average of 20 hours a week, 52 weeks in a year. That's 91.5 million paid hours per week, per year. Sorry. So a $1 raise in pay for those people would be 91.5 million more dollars. That is compared to the $22 million raise that the CEO got, okay? And by the way, not that this matters, I just think uh, maybe we'll mention it. If you divided the CEO's raise between all of those workers, that would give you about, that would give each of them about 24 cents more per hour. So the, the people constantly make the case that, well, if they can afford to pay their CEO this much money, then obviously they can afford to pay their workers $15 an hour, whatever it is. And if you took the CEO's pay raise, and even if you took the entire pay, that would change it to about 40 cents per hour. That's what it would come out to per employee. And by the way, uh, Nichols still owns, so he didn't sell all of those stocks. We don't know what he's actually made off of it. But you can look at this stuff online. He, uh, he still owns about 73% of the stocks that he had. So you can actually go to uh, openinsider.com. You can type in Chipotle's ticker symbol and you can look at CEO transactions. All of this is public data. So you can see what he has sold. The stocks that he has sold have, have only been in 2021. He has sold stocks and he sold about 27% of the stocks that he owned. So I don't know if Dan Price would find any of that information valuable or if any of the people who pay attention to what he says on Twitter uh, valuable at all. But it seems like Dan Price is just lying again. Or he's completely ignorant. I don't know which one it is. You guys tell me. So Sweden decided against recommending COVID vaccines for kids age 5 to 12. From uh, MSN, and this uh, actually came from Reuters. They're just reposting the article. Sweden has decided against recommending COVID vaccines for kids age 5 to 11, the health agency said on Thursday, arguing that the benefits did not outweigh the risks. Risks? I didn't even, I didn't even think that there were any of those things. What are they even talking about? These crazy conspiracy Swedes out there. Quote, with the knowledge we have today, with a low risk for serious disease for kids, we don't see any clear benefit with vaccinating them. Health agency, health agency official Britta 
Bjorkholm told a news conference. She added the decision could be revisited if the research changed or a new variant changed the pandemic. Kids in high-risk groups can already get the vaccine, but they are not going to be nationally recommending that all the kids get the vaccine. Okay, so all of our vaccine conspiracy theorists out there, you crazy right-wing supremacists, the, everyone out there, how do you think Sweden is just being crazy? I don't know. I don't know. Listen, there's a lot of data back and forth on, on these vaccines. I did a, I did a pretty in-depth episode uh, last week or the week before talking about the risk of myocarditis and stuff for kids. Listen, when it comes to vaccines for adults, I don't care what you do at all. When it comes to vaccines for kids, I do think that there is a, there's a risk-benefit ratio that you need to look at and the fact that kids aren't really getting sick from this thing of course some are some are dying but it's a very low amount i don't think that we should be forcing kids to take this vaccine okay all right the last thing i wanted to mention because this is completely ridiculous spoiler alert by the way fight club if you have not seen Fight Club and it's on your movie list and you're going to watch it and you have no idea what it's about or what happens, then don't listen to the end of this episode. Turn it off right now. Okay, it's going to be a shorter episode because you got half the amount of people talking. Don't. We are going to break a rule right now. <laughs> we are. We are going to break a rule right now, which is talking about Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but thank you guys for bringing that up. All right. I guess that's all we can do. I can't really talk about it. I totally forgot. Okay, I'm going to break the rule because I'm a rule breaker. Okay, I'm going to talk about Fight Club. Fight Club gets a new ending in China. <laughs> and the police win. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think about the not talking about Fight Club thing. For everyone listening, by the way, everyone in the group is freaking out because I'm talking about Fight Club. And it's, it's pretty funny, and, and I'm, I'm having a hard time not paying attention to it. At the end of David Fincher's 1999 dystopian movie Fight Club, the narrator watches, spoiler, as skyscrapers explode and collapse, a symbol of the film's anarchic message. Except in China. Except in China. There, the police foil the plan of Edward Norton's protagonist, thanks to his imaginary alter ego, Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt, who is sent to a lunatic asylum rather than being killed by Norton's character. It's an alternative ending that trades societal collapse for a more Beijing-friendly conclusion. Now, actually, you know, I'm surprised that NBC News posted this out there. In an edited version of the movie on the Chinese streaming platform Tencent Video, the scene of the buildings falling apart is replaced by a black screen with white English writing. That I'll show it to you guys here in a second. With the ruling Communist Party holding a heavy hand over popular culture, Hollywood movies are often edited to stay in line with Beijing's policies. Foreign films can only be made available in Chinese theaters to a local distributor. The process usually involves an agreement with a production studio, which mandates provocative parts of the work be altered or removed. 
<sighs> the mental and physical violence displayed in Fight Club make it an easy target who may view an easy target for China who may view it as a danger to national security. What you see in that movie is a danger to national security. So I'm going to play it, and this is a earmuffs warning for the kids. There's probably bad language. There is violence. Uh, there's, you know, literally, okay, seriously, I said earmuffs. There's literally a guy putting the gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. Okay, spoiler alerts, earmuffs alerts, all that stuff. So here's what they did. Let's, uh, let's play it real quick. I want you to really listen. My eyes are open. Okay, and that's how the movie ends. Now, in the actual movie, he gets up, looking out the windows, and all the buildings are blowing up around them. They're collapsing. And this is what it says now. Through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to a lunatic asylum receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. The end. That's how it ends. Oh, man. This is ridiculous. And to mess with Fight Club. I don't know when they did this, but this is just coming out in the news. I don't know if this is recent, but apparently people followed the rule of not talking about it. So... The building, basically, they foiled the plot, okay? They didn't get to tear down society like, the, like they were going to. They foiled the whole plot. It didn't happen, okay? He tried. He was going to go against the establishment. He was going to go against society. He was going to show everyone a lesson. And, um, and, he, and the, police, the police stopped him. The good, the nice government stopped the evil terrorist from doing what he was doing. Okay, now, do I, uh, do I agree with uh, what they were doing in the movie? I don't exactly agree with the whole idea of the movie, by the way. You know, a lot of the stuff that they're revolting against is, is capitalism, free market stuff. Okay, but it generally just, just anti the current society that we have. And it's so interesting to watch this kind of censorship take place on a massive scale in a really, really popular movie and people even in china are talking about it on all the on all the different message boards before all those messages get taken down they're talking they, they know when did this movie come out the thing's been out for at least 20 years i don't know how old the movie is but uh it's been out for quite a while so yeah i don't know if meatloaf is uh, <laughs> i don't know if meatloaf is still in the CCP version, you know, because he was anti-vax, and I and I don't know if he had also developed breast or not. So, 23 years this movie's been out, and they're changing the ending of it. Too dangerous. Very, very dangerous movie. Listen, y'all. 
this type of ideology has to have censorship. You can, the most dangerous thing is, is the people. The most dangerous thing is the people waking up, realizing what is going wrong, and rising up against whatever the tyrannical structure is. They can't have it. And China's censorship is, uh, man, it's, it's impressive. They sure do a good job. They really do. Anyway, everyone let me know what you think here in the group as you are uh, right now. I just thought that that was pretty ridiculous. I'm going to go ahead and end the show half the people, half the time. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, if you found anything valuable inside of this episode whatsoever, then tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children, tell your aunts, tell your uncles, tell all of them to follow Good Morning Liberty on whatever their favorite podcast app is. You know the thing. Okay. So if you go find us on Locals, which is very important. All right. We got to pay the bills. Okay. And that comes from you guys and also some of the fine advertisers on the show as well. Make sure you go to Locals, do all that good stuff. Find us on all the social media. If you do all of those things, we'll be back tomorrow with a dumb bleep of the week. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.